fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Turnover in front, and Mantha feeding it to Kuznetsov and Morazic diving. A shot. They score, and it's Alex Ovechkin, and it's 800 goals in the National Hockey League. The bench empties. Alex Ovechkin is the third player in National Hockey League history to score 800 goals. You know, get pucks deep, bring the puck deep. Put pucks in deep, just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep, puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Mike Ross here, public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're listening to the Pucks in Deep podcast with Adam Lesko and Josh Colvin. All right, everybody, welcome back. That's right. Pucks in Deep podcast episode 80 or wow 80 80 man you know what it was I was using the 89th episode to overlay some of our intro which ah. featured that incredible 800th goal from Alex Ovechkin also maybe I was thinking about the 800th goal by Alex Ovechkin <laughs> saying episode 80 we're well past episode 80 my friend episode 103 in fact welcome back everybody Pucks and Deep podcast as always Right here, Josh Coleman, at Coleman42 on Twitter. Across the bar for me is my partner in crime, at Lesko Adam. You can find Mr. Lesko on the Twitter sphere. And our guest this evening is a very exciting guest. Lesko and I, we've been hoping for this for a long time. Uh, at Ian underscore Mendez on Twitter. That's right, Ian Mendez from The Athletic, formerly from many uh, walks of life. Uh, tonight's guest is a former graduate of Carleton University Journalism, proudly a senior writer at The Athletic, co-host of The Athletic NHL podcast, former Sportsnet reporter, TSN radio host, and ringette enthusiast. Here's Ian Mendez. Thanks for joining the boys here on the Pucks and D podcast. Ian, welcome. Gentlemen, so great to be on. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for... Uh for having me and I'm, I'm i'm happy that josh came over to me i don't know maybe two weeks ago three weeks ago uh at a sense game to kind of to kind of get the ball rolling on this get the ball rolling you can't get away from him no, like he followed up on an email in person <laughs> that's right uh yeah you can't get away from me and i mean I've, I've been chasing you down for going on 15 years now back <laughs> to uh when i was an aspiring ian mendez of, of sorts Back at the uh, the University of Ottawa, the Ottawa Rivals, of course. Um, yeah, once again, I am glad that my the seats that I was gifted from uh, a friend, uh, we all went kind of like a little boys' night out, and uh, there you were, ready to do your hit. I said, you know what? I'm getting after this guy because there's no way he's getting away from me this easy. And you were very gracious. <laughs> you were very gracious with your time, Ian, much as you were. Uh, when when we first met, like I said, some 15 years ago. So it's been a minute. How have you been? How are things on your end? Hey, listen, they're great, and uh, I appreciate you uh, ripping through the uh, the career highlights there for me. Because man, that 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 makes me sound like I'm old when uh, <laughs> when, when when you go through uh, all the things that I've been through. But hey, listen, I'm I'm loving life at the Athletic. It's a ton of fun. I get to obviously do a ton of writing, but also uh, get to you know get to podcast for uh, a couple times a week. And as you guys know. 
this is a, just a great format, right? It's so much fun. Uh, as much as and I and I love radio, so for me it was really hard leaving radio because I love the medium so much. I love uh, having great fun conversations, and so when you're able to do it in the podcast form, like like you guys know, it's just a ton of fun. And and the one thing that that's great is there's never a shortage of of topics in in the sports world to uh, and certainly in the hockey world to uh, to chat about. Listen, Ian, I'll tell you, your resume doesn't make you look old. Your Twitter handle makes you look old. At Ian underscore Mendez. That's like having a Hotmail account in uh, almost 2023. It just doesn't exist anymore. You got to have numbers in there and more, you know, symbols and whatnot. Oh, man. So it's funny because when I and I got Twitter like really like so I had a friend who actually started working at Twitter in like 2008. And this guy, I'll never forget, this guy comes to me in like 2008. This is a buddy I went to Carlton with. And he's like, Ian. Are you on Twitter? I'm like, no. What's Twitter? He's like, ah, oh, it's like, it's like Facebook, but even better. And I'm like, man, eh, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. He's like, no. I'm telling you, this is going to be great. It's going to be great for journalists and reporters and media. He's like, this is going to be the next big thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I went to sign up, and I wanted just my name, Ian, Ian Mendes, all, you know, kind of one, one name without any. Uh, spaces or hyphens or whatever, but that was taken by some random guy somewhere else. So I, I slapped the underscore on there, but I was on, I was on Twitter. I want to say 2009 by the time I finally kind of, you know, and I, I still felt like I was kind of late to the, the party, but um, that's, that's the backstory of the underscore. And it, and it's funny because a lot of people in the media world, <laughs> excuse me, will, will put like, let's say they work for Sportsnet. They'll put, uh, you know, Sportsnet or uh, TSN in their handle. Right. And I remember thinking about it. I was working at Sportsnet at the time, and I thought, well, I'm never going to leave Sportsnet. Like, I, <laughs> I love this. And I thought about putting Sportsnet in my handle, like SN Ian Mendez or something like that, and I didn't. And I'm glad that I didn't because, you know, I went from Sportsnet over to TSN Radio and then over to The Athletic, and I'm like, man, I would hate to just constantly be – Changing my handle. So little safety I'll, I'll pick net, the eh? underscore in there. Little safety net. A girlfriend asks you to move in, but you kept your apartment on 43rd Street just in case. <laughs> there you go. You know. <laughs> yeah, I was an early adopter myself, and that was the beauty of it. Uh, you know, the original appeal as someone who's kind of a news junkie myself, I was like, oh, here I can follow all the outlets, all the um, all the sports journalists, all the guys I, I, you know, are going to keep me up to date on everything I want to know about. And then I... I I, I feel like I've taken it for granted in all these years with all the turmoil there lately where I'm like, where the hell am I going to go to get my news if I can't just have it served up uh, all the outlets all at once, all in one place? And, and it's really, you know, it, it's been a boon, I think, for sports journalism or journalism in any uh, sports industry. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? And it's funny because, you know, there's, a, and as you said, like there's been a lot of d debate and chatter over Twitter lately and, and where it's headed. And, you know, people have asked me, like, hey, would you would you leave Twitter over, you know, you know, maybe you think it's like philosophically you don't agree with it. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll be straight up honest. I don't think I, I can't see myself leaving over that. And let's be honest here. Um, Twitter has been a cesspool for a long time, right? But yep. it's always – but it's whatever you want it to be. Look, if you want it to be a place filled of hate and negativity or whatever – Sure, you can you can absolutely look at it through that lens, but it's also a great place to get information and news and to interact. What I like the most is interacting or like kind of 
you know, having readers or people who pay attention to my work kind of comment on what I'm doing. And I would say like 95 to 99% of the stuff I get back is good, right? Like it's positive stuff. Yeah. Are you going to get the odd uh, jackass saying something? Of course you will. But, uh, you know, so I look at this and it's, it's been an indispensable tool. Uh, for reporters, uh, whether it's just disseminating information, trying to read the room or what, you know, whatever it is, uh, engage with people. It's been great. Um, I just, I think it's always been uh, kind of a, or it could all has the potential to be a toxic uh, platform. Um, you know, the idea that now the people in charge now are going to make it more toxic, I guess, but it's kind of always been that way, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you can, if you want to, if you're able to to customize your feed and just follow the people you want to follow, I don't know how you're going to really have any, you know, too many problems. And then, hey, listen, and I've had, I had a death threat one time. Like a guy straight up threatened to kill me Jeez. on Twitter. And wow. you know, so like, you know, if you if you have those types of things, you know, you can report it or you can, you know, block the people, mute the people. But there are ways around it um, rather than just saying, you know what, this is awful and we're headed to a terrible place. Well, I don't know what to say, but I, I agree with you. I think it's a great platform for getting your news because I, that's how I get, I would say the majority of where I get my news. And then I, I'll, then I'll go to the athletic or ESPN or TSN or Sportsnet or, you know, wherever I need to go to get more information. But my initial touch point is usually Twitter for most stories. Yeah. It's the same for me. And, and it used to be like, yeah, you went to Sportsnet or TSN and you sat there and kind of burned through all the articles and that yeah. was your consumption. And this way you're in, you're in that constant feed. Now you weren't always on the media side of things, though, you actually started out in PR, which is interesting. Um, and most interestingly, for a now defunct AAA baseball team, the Ottawa Lynx, um, I know Coley spent some time at that stadium and uh, might have a picture with uh, old Lenny there, too. Lenny, tell me about it, Ian. There could be a picture. How did you end up there? in the no. suit? Me and you. Guys, the odds of me being in the picture with you, Josh, are like less than... I'd say less than 0.01%. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Okay. I know. It, it sucks because I was only Lenny the Lynx two times. And one time it was just in the middle of a game. So they used to have this promotion at Lynx games where like, let's say, I think it was like the fifth inning or something where like, you know, let's say uh, the Lynx are on the field and, you know, they're going through warm up uh, on the infield and, you know, the pitcher's doing his, his 10 pitches and the, the they're, you know, Outfielders are chucking the ball to each other. Well, during that time, the mascot, who was Lenny the Lynx, the giant, the giant cat, <laughs> would race uh, a child from <laughs> first from first base to third base. And the shtick was simply, you know, Lenny would get the lead early in the race. So you're supposed to, you know, try to get a, you know, five ten step lead on the kid, kind of as you get to second base. And then that's, as you hit second base, oh no, guess what? The kid beats you down the stretch, final ninety feet. Whatever. Like, yeah, so, you so leaf I, it I up. Did, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and quite frankly, I think that's how it would have played out if I was giving my full effort anyway. But um, you know, so I I did I did that one time because the the mascot wasn't available and I was the the media relations assistant. They're like, all right, Ian, you're up. <laughs> so I did it. I I ran down. I did it for literally half an inning, and I was back. Never interacted with fans. Never was you know posing for photos. And then the other the only other time I was Lenny wasn't even at a game. It was at a Santa Claus parade in like, I think it was the 1999 Santa Claus parade where the yes. guy that you, the guy that usually plays Lenny was unable to attend the Santa Claus parade, 
and they asked me, they're like, hey, Ian, we need somebody. I'm like, all right. So I did it, and that was it. I, so I was never, the odds of me being in a picture and it was me as Lenny. I Like I said, I, I just don't think it, it would have been me. Well, the real Lenny uh, couldn't show up because he had his office Christmas party with the open bar. So here comes Ian for yeah, the Santa exactly. Claus parade. <laughs> right on. Uh, so you ran the bases. No injuries resulting uh, from, from the running the bases, right? No, um, no. But, but not – oh, go ahead, Ian. What do you got for no, me? No, no. Well, that was me in my 20s. And then this summer I decided to try playing in a uh, – uh, you know, men's league, softball, whatever, uh, slow pitch league. And literally in my first game, I, uh, I tore my hamstring, oh. uh, rounding third, uh, coming from, you know, you, you know, second, but you're on second base and the guy hits the, you know, the classic single and you're like, all right, I'm going to round and score. And I hit third base and I just felt it pop. And I'm like, Oh my God. Uh, yeah. But did you make so, it home? I so here's the funny thing. Yeah, I limped home. The throw beat me now by a country mile because now, now I'm like limping. But the catcher missed it. Oh yes. And uh, and, and by the time he got the ball, <laughs> he was able to uh, hobble you know, right in home. there. And uh, yeah, it was that. That was the. I played one. One. I had two. My stat line this year was two at bats in uh, in slow pitch, and that was it. Oh wow, deep deep roster cuts there for losing you, Ian. Um, so the where I was headed with the injury was with regards to your your viral moment where you took that baseball right in the back at the World Series. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that moment and how surprising that was. I got to tell you, man, you you took it like an absolute pro. I, I I will say I was checking it out again today. No offense, uh, but I noticed that. It looked like it might have been one of those fix auto commercials that we see on TV <laughs> from time to oh, time. Oh yeah, there. but yeah, you held yeah. off. Yeah, oh yeah, like one of those uh, shut uh, shut the front door. Type <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So you know the funny thing is, so everybody always thinks that that ball hit me in the back, where it actually hit me, uh, and because you can only see the ball, I think, in the frame for like, uh, like a, a you know a, a couple of frames, or whatever. Yeah. But I, I still don't know where the ball came from, or who threw it, or hit it, or whatever. But I had my back to the field in San Francisco, and I'm just about to come back on. I had thrown to my uh, television story, and I'm kind of waiting, you know, uh, to, to kind of tag off the, the, the back end of it. And this ball comes in, it hits me, and it hits me on, like, the, you know, it, it hit me on the ankle, like right on the bone oh. that kind of sticks out on the ankle, which, again, you know, and I'll say this, like, everyone's like, oh, man, you toughed it out. I am, like, the least tough person you will ever meet. You will... <laughs> you, you will meet me and be like, that guy's capital S soft. And I am. I, I admit it. But you know when, like, let's say, you know, have you ever done this? I'm sure we've all done this, people listening or you guys. Like, if you get up and you're, like, walking, and whether it's in the middle of the night or something, and, like, you hit your foot or something, like, you stub your toe, like, on the side of the bed or something, like, or you hit your foot on a table, and, like, it like it hurts like hell for, like, th like three or four seconds. You're like, oh, my God. Like, but... <laughs> But it's more the shock, right, than the pain. Of course. That's what happened to me there where it was like, oh, my God. Like, I just hit – and it was just the timing of it all was just perfect timing. And I was like, okay, no, 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 no. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then I I went back on the air. So I, uh, I, always, I always have fun uh, thinking about – and I, I, somebody uh, – not that long ago. So I guess it would have been October. So well, maybe, what, 10 weeks ago or something. Somebody sent that to me and said, hey, man, it's the 10-year – 
anniversary of that happening. It was, I guess, October or something, 2012, late October 2012. So I, uh, I had to laugh. I'm like, holy cow, 10, uh, uh, 10 years have gone by since that. You're almost lucky it was so long ago, and you know I think it's got a few million views on YouTube. But if that happens today, that's going oh, yeah. like 100, 200 million views. You know that, right? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I think it capped out at where it should. It was funny. Like, you know, Sportsnet, they like, so the control room was laughing their ass off after that, okay? So, but that wasn't over the air. Like, that was all just in the control room. So right. they phoned me. They phoned me after my hit. I'll never forget. And and I'm on the side of the field in San Francisco. And they're like, Ian, we caught all of that, but we need your permission. We want to oh, know yeah. <laughs> if you're okay if we put this out. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. And I Good think sport. within 24 hours, it had a million, like, it had a million views in like 24, like it was 24 or 48 hours. It was wild. Like, it and was, it was, uh, it was crazy. I was one of them. It was on TV a lot too, if I recall. Because yeah. when I watched it again recently to kind of re- remember, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this for sure. Like, how yeah. can I forget? Um, I do want to take it over to hockey. There, I wanted to ask you. Um, I did something else. I came across my research is that you co-wrote uh, Jamie McLennan's book, yeah. "Best Seat in the House." I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, definitely going to have to pick that one up now. Um, obviously, noodles. On overdrive, big star, backup goalie, uh, longtime backup goalie, and a guy who just seems to have a million stories. I just want to ask you, like, how did that come about, and like, what was it like to to work on it with him? It was, you know what? And again, that's another thing that probably happened ten years ago now, nine, ten years ago. Uh, just phenomenal. Like what? It, like he is what you hear on overdrive and what you see out of Jamie uh, on on television. That's him in real life. Like, it, like mm-hmm. I always think the, the, the best radio and, and TV hosts are the ones who the person that they are on camera and the person that they are off camera, it's the same person. And that's Noodles. Like, he's the same guy. He's, he's fun. He's engaging. He's, you know. And so to work on a book with him was phenomenal because, you know, what, what was great, too, was like, and I only got paired up with him because, like, at, at, he was start, he had the idea of writing a book. But he needed somebody to write it for him. Um, mm. He just needed somebody to, you know, basically take all of his stories, turn them into a book, all of that. And he was great. And what I loved is, you know, some, I, I would spend a lot of time on the phone with him or on, uh, you know, video, FaceTime. <laughs> actually, it might have actually this this story this story's so old it might have been Skype. Yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it, and you know, we we would chat. But what I would love is then from time to time he would just like through Canada post or whatever, he would send me like a, like a, a USB stick, like a flash drive. And I would put it into my, uh, my laptop and it would just be like him looking into his uh, laptop and like kind of telling a story for like an hour or like two or three stories. And it was great because it was like, uh, you know, that way if our, if our schedules didn't line up, I still had the store. Anyway, it was, it was great. And, and, and I tried really hard to try to put everything kind of in his voice, uh, which, you know, it's a challenge, I think, as a writer, uh, trying to capture somebody else's voice. Because these aren't my stories, right? These are his stories. Right. And, you know, you're, you're trying to find that balance. But it's great. Like, there's a lot of great stories in there. Uh, his time with the Islanders. Like, you know, he was with the Islanders, you know, at a time when that, that franchise was pretty tumultuous. So there's some colorful stuff there. Some great stuff from St. Louis uh, in the 
um, kind of Chris Pronger era of, of the late 90s, early 2000s. Some great stuff from Calgary, obviously, where I think a lot of people know him. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a really fun story. And uh, yeah, just it's exactly what you would think out of Jamie McLennan, which is uh, intelligent, funny, witty, and, and, and entertaining. Well, that's a really cool opportunity for you, Ian, to be able to basically help someone achieve a dream of theirs now whether it was his dream you know i'm sure his dream was to play in the nhl as well we can have multiple dreams uh so that's really cool an opportunity for you to help him tell his story or multiple stories i guess um in your case uh, i know you've got a lot of stories yourself ian i mean you're kind of like ground zero um as they would say for the Ottawa Senators, and uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't jump into some sense talk while we have you here, Ian. Uh, we've got a lot of listeners, man, that uh, tune into the show, which at at, at the beginning uh, was funny to me because we're so pro Leafs, but we always said we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we're talking about all the major stories that are developing around the NHL, probably some Ottawa stories because we're based out of Pembroke, Ontario, just a hop, skip and a drive North. Um, you know, so lots of Sens fans tune in. We've talked about the Sens a lot. We've kicked them when they were down. I think they deserved it f- through some periods of time, to be honest with you. Uh, but we've also been, you know, not cheering for them necessarily, but we've been impressed with the, the way the things have turned around. And you've been there from the good to the bad to the getting better. Um, why don't you kind of let us know where we're at as we sit here today um, December 19th, 2022, I might ask you what happened because I had a lot of Sens buddies saying it was time that the Sens made the playoffs and beat the Leafs in the first round. I think that might be a stretch today, Ian. Yeah, listen, it, it has been a really uh, difficult five-year period for Ottawa fans. And I, I, I understand. Look, um, we in this market get treated as the little sibling, right? Because we are, you know, not only are we kind of geographically between Montreal and Toronto, which are the two biggest, you know, original six franchises and behemoths in hockey, but like, uh, you know, geographically you're there, but also like historically you're buried by those two franchises. And we get it. We understand. Um, Ottawa is celebrating its 30th year in the league. You know, the other two teams have been around for pretty much a century. You know, we understand that. And, and so it's really tough when, you're I think you're constantly viewed as the as the little sibling in any relationship, whether it's real life, professionally, uh, sports team. You, you you want your seat at the table. And I think there's a lot of Ottawa fans who just feel like, nah, we're never gonna get the seat at the table. But you know, we we, we finally feel like this summer, after years of uh, the dysfunction, the chaos with the ownership, the cheapness of the ownership. The, all, all the things that you all we all know about, we kind of felt like, okay, like we can move past that now. And look, they got Claude Giroux. And look, they got Alex Debrinkat. And look, they got Cam Talbot. Like, they, they, they were legitimate moves. And I think if you go back and look at, you know, some of, you know, whether it's my writing or the writing of, you know, so a lot of people who kind of looked at the Senators, I think we all thought, okay, look, they're going to be better than they've been the last few years. I think the playoffs is a stretch, but like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, I think this is the first year I came into the year that, you know what? Like, I could see a scenario where they make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand like I did in 2018, 19, 20, 21. Like, all those other years, I was like, nah, I don't feel it. This year, you could convince me. Now, they needed a bunch of things to go right. 
they needed at least one or two teams to kind of fall off of uh, the pack in the in the top eight. Um, you know, Florida's fallen back. Washington's regressed a little bit. So that part of the equation is taking care of itself. The problem for Ottawa is, and they've been really good lately. I think they've they've won eight. They're like eight, three, and one in their last twelve, and that's yes, that's all well and fine. But they've dug themselves a bit of a hole here. That if you look at the, I, I haven't looked at it today, but I think if you look at you know most statistical models or you know playoff probabilities, they're sitting at about twenty percent. So it's not, it's not bananas. It's not like. Oh my gosh, we're talking about uh, you know like when they went on that Hamburglar run years ago. They don't need one of those crazy magic carpet rides, but they've dug themselves a hole. They're seven points out of a playoff spot with five teams between them and the Islanders. So it's not like it's like okay, it's just us and the Islanders. We're seven back with like fifty games to play. That's plenty of time. Well, no, the problem is, and, and Monday night's a great example. Uh, they're chasing Washington. They're, they're chasing Detroit. Well, Washington and Detroit are playing each other. Someone's going to win that game. Right. And possibly three points get handed out. So this is the problem is that they've actually been okay. Like, I think there's – I could see a scenario where Ottawa pushes 85 points this year, maybe even 90 points, which I think would be a, a, a step in the right direction. But I just don't know that they're going to have enough to make the playoffs. And it's disappointing because I think – the, again, the realistic, realistic expectation wasn't even the playoffs. I think most Ottawa fans were like, you know, if we could just get to March and play games that are like, like you know, we're, like, yeah. like we're three points out of a playoff spot, but we're kind of hanging around. Like, that's what they want. That's mm-hmm. what they wanted. And as we're having this conversation today, that's not where they're at. But I think it maybe in 10 weeks from now, maybe we could revisit it. And maybe they are in that spot. Look at the Rangers, guys. Like... Three week, two weeks ago, we were like, "Wow, the Rangers are they're cooked," and and they just ran off a hot power play and great goaltending last year, and uh, they're you know everything's catching up to them this year, and that's that, and fired Gerard Gallant, and mm-hmm. the Rangers have won seven in a row, and and all of a sudden they're sitting somewhat not not super comfortably, but they're in a playoff spot, so things can change. In a sna- in the snap of a finger here, but but for Ottawa, they're they're going to need a lot of help in addition to continuing a stretch where they're winning eight out of every twelve games. And I think it's great to see that they are trending in the right direction. Like you said, they're with all the moves that they made in the summer. There's obviously a lot more excitement. There's a lot more butts in the seats, and you know, hopefully, they can kind of push at least to keep the fan base engaged. Um, so obviously it's like the, the momentum and the environment around the team has changed, but I was wondering if you'd be able to speak on it all. Like how has the organization changed or the attitude around the, inside the organization changed, I would say since the summer, since the, the passing of the previous owner even. Yeah. And listen, I, I think one of the things that, that really needs to be, discuss more and 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 you guys are you guys you guys are both toronto fans right correct but i don't think you were old enough to quite grasp the harold ballard years correct 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 okay so what 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 older toronto fans will tell you is harold ballard single-handedly submarine the franchise for the better part of a decade and until he was gone you don't get those gilmore felix uh, those years in the early 90s, Pat Burns, Andrew Chuck, Wendell, you don't get that with Harold Ballard. You simply don't. Like, there had to be a change 
in the regime. And unfortunately, yeah, it took the, the passing of Harold Ballard for the Toronto Maple Leafs to enter that kind of golden era that, uh, you know, Leafs fans that are at least kind of of the age of kind of in their early 40s or older will tell you that was the greatest time they've ever had as a Leafs fan mm-hmm. is because they felt unencumbered. They felt like everything was great. And even though, like, listen, I, I think the current edition of the Leafs team is is probably more talented and, and, and probably should, you know, be better in the playoffs. But that 92, 93, 94 window was magical. But you don't get that. In the pre- the previous ten years were were purgatory for Toronto fans, and it was that's that's I just want Toronto fans to understand that's where Ottawa was. They were in a situation where it was never going to work, never ever ever going to work with the way that the ownership was trending. And 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 I I I think my colleagues uh, Katie Strang, Dan Robson, and I we tried our best for for the better part of all, you know ten months to you know, do a deep dive investigation on what the hell is happening here? Like, how could a team be the way they are? And, you know, we finally, you know, got around to, to publishing that article. Um, and, and, and I think we, we detailed the chaos, the dysfunction that was going on. And so now, as you fast forward here to December of 2022, all of that uh, dysfunction and chaos and uncertainty has evaporated into thin air. And it's been replaced with some hope and some optimism. And and I'll, and I'll tell you, look, there, there, there's certainly some uncertainty here because the ownership situation isn't quite settled yet. But I think it will be in, in the next two months. I think they're going to get a new owner. And I think that's when you're going to see some stability here. And, and look, Ottawa has been low-hanging fruit for a lot of hockey fans. A lot of hockey fans have scored some quick, easy jokes from Ottawa. Yeah, we're, for, content. We're, we're familiar with that, uh, it, Ian. It, it, yeah, but but what I want people to understand is it's not so funny when your owner is doing the things that the owner was doing here. Just like it wasn't funny for Toronto fans with Harold Ballard. There reaches a point, and, and, and Washington football ta- fans will tell you that with Dan Snyder. Um, you know, pick, pick a franchise. When you get to the point where the owner's actions, comments, whatever, um, you know, kind of rip the heart out of the fan base, don't blame the fans. And I, I think Ottawa fans have taken a lot of heat. People say, oh, you don't show up to the games. Hey, it wasn't that they weren't showing up to the games or that they weren't showing up to support the team. They were trying to send a clear message that we don't really appreciate the way that you're being, you know, we're being treated. And and I think there's a distinct difference there. And 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 I, listen, we'll see. And maybe I'm maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe when they get a new ownership, if we're still having attendance questions in Ottawa we'll, we'll we'll see but but people need to understand they were a top five six attendance team you know 20 2007 to you know about 2012 13 and then it all went off the rails yeah and 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 it's and it's tough you know it's again it's really tough and and I like for and I'm a huge NFL guy I don't I don't chirp why and I'm a Cowboys fan okay but the mm-hmm. one thing I don't do I don't chirp Washington fans because I, I know what they've been through. And and if they want to pull the cord and get off the ride, I don't blame them because it's really been uh, embarrassing. It, it reaches a point of embarrassment as a, as a fan. And I think for a lot of Ottawa fans, they felt that. And they, they tried to kind of, uh, you know, relay that with, with you know, billboards and, and, and hashtags and, and different things. But look, 
the one thing I want people to understand about the Ottawa fan base, this is a smart fan base and this is a passionate fan base. And, and I know they get lumped in with some other uh, franchises that don't necessarily show up and, and support the team. But I think there's been some mitigating circumstances here that don't always get, get put into place. But again, we'll see because now I think all of that chaos and dysfunction should be should be removed from the equation. Well, I was asking the question, Ian. Uh, you know, this past off season, and I think it was a fair question. And it was, you know, will the excitement of the new players and and hopefully a more exciting product on the ice will that bring the fans back, or or is it, you know, is it only winning? And you know, we had over the last couple of seasons, we've had a lot of arguments about the location of the arena and I always kind of fell back to like listen guy or gal you had no problem getting out there when the team was awesome all right now I'm not saying the team has to be awesome in order for butts to be in the seats like Lesko was saying they are in the seats and it's I think it's because there is this feeling of excitement and even though the expectations aren't being met right now necessarily I think that's okay, and I think that's awesome for Ottawa to actually get that quote-unquote free pass. Yeah, we were supposed to be right in the thick of it, but we had a really tough start. We got through some injuries, but things are turning around. I think it's super exciting for the fan base. And uh, another one I really wanted to get your thoughts on, Ian, were the future, the short-term future. So are we talking Are we talking building relocation? Is it necessary for the sale of the team? And furthermore, are we talking Ryan Reynolds? And is he <laughs> necessary uh, for the sale of a team? Well, I think, okay, on the arena location, I'll say this. Um, if you if you guys were if I were to ask you to list the two or three NHL franchises that have the biggest attendance issues, what would you say? You'd say Ottawa. Would you say Arizona? Yeah, yeah. And for sure. Would, would, and would you maybe say the Florida Panthers? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's say those three teams. Okay. You know what the one thing they all have in common? They don't have a downtown arena. Yes. And 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 I think there's something to be said because then you you start to think about this too. You know, the New York Islanders for years did not have a downtown arena or like kind of a, 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 a kind of a fixed home. They had attendance issues. Guess what? They're not having attendance issues this year. In fact, they're 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 jamming their arena there, um, the, the the their new facility, and it's great. You know, Ottawa is is this season. I think that they're second in the league. They're they're averaging almost three thousand fans more per game than where we were pre-pandemic and look i know part of that is because the number was so low it could only go up but that's i think that shows you you know 20 25 percent increase over what we were seeing pre-pandemic i think that speaks to the fact people are willing to come back now that there's going to be new ownership and you know and i i do think a downtown arena is what's needed because like i said i think there's some degree of connectivity there between uh franchises that have attendance issues and a lack of a downtown arena. I, I just think there's something to be said. You, you know, you guys have probably done it where you get off of, you know, the, the subway in Toronto and there's just something about it when those doors open to the subway and you get out and you're right at the arena or, you know, you're at union station and there's a buzz and you're just cutting. Through. There's something there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I felt that in, in Washington. I felt that in Montreal, like even in Vancouver, like downtown arenas matter. And when you don't have one, it seems odd. So I think they're going to rectify that. And then as for the, the, the Ryan Reynolds thing, I think it's going to be great. 
Um, and I think it's it, it would be, let me put it this way. It'd be awfully hard to put the genie back in the bottle now and say, ah, you know what, uh, Ryan Reynolds is not going to be part of the ownership group here moving forward. I think there's been enough kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, conversations b- between him and, you know, the league and, and everybody knows kind of where he stands. It'd be really disappointing if all of a sudden they're like, ah, you know what, he's not going to be part of it. So I, I think the way that it was always explained to me is that the league really wants him to be part of this. And the league is almost going to make it, I don't want to say a mandatory, because you, you don't want to start telling uh, new owners that are dropping $800 million. <laughs> You got to do by this. The way, but they'll be pushing them, I'm sure, to <laughs> include them in some way. Yeah, but I think what they're going to do is try and sell the new ownership on, look, this is Ryan Reynolds' vision for your brand. And Ryan's not going to come in with a bunch of, like, his equity is not going to be financially based. His mm-hmm. equity is going to be his star power. Promotional his based. Power, his, his ability to storytell. Exactly. So they're going to say, listen, you if you want to have the Ottawa Senators and have them be a, you know, you, 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 we talked about earlier that this, this battle of being a little sibling. Um, Ryan Reynolds can help you change that. Ryan Reynolds can help you try and at least, you know, I think the, the, the crazy enough, I think the, the the end game might be like how do we make this a global brand because you look you think of the the uh, the, the man use and the Dallas Cowboys and the Yankees those are global brands i i don't see how the senators can put themselves into that stratosphere but i do think that there's an opportunity for them to push beyond the boundaries of you know just kind of eastern ontario and more importantly kind of get out of that little kind of little sibling thing uh, that that they have going on, which is, again, historical and, um, you know, geographical and all these things. And, you know, Ottawa has the reputation, We and we know it, we have the reputation of being this sleepy government town that's covered in, 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 in red tape, and nobody likes, it's the town that fun forgot. And um, <laughs> if, if all of a sudden you have, you know, arguably one of the, you know, a legit A-list celebrity who's coming to your games, but also talking about your team and 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 promoting your team uh there's a there's a cool factor there that you can't quite measure and i i think any new prospective owner would be silly not to not to jump in on that right so that's how i think it'll play out i think he'll 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 have a role here but it probably won't be like uh, like he's a minority owner right. so much as a you know uh you know they'll give a stakeholder partner something something along those lines that allow him to kind of tell this franchise's story. Oh, I think it's a fantastic opportunity, and I totally agree. And it would you, you'd be you know you'd be pretty silly to marketing d- dismiss it. It is, yeah. I mean, I actually just came back from the LC yesterday, grabbing a bottle of Aviation Gin. Uh, you know, a company that he uh, owns a stake in as well. So, I mean, obviously he's doing something right. And I think the Senators would uh, really enjoy being heavily featured in Deadpool 5, 6, 7, and, and so on, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, there's, there's there's great opportunity there. There's great opportunity there for the senator's brand to expand. Look, he, he he's done a great job, I think, uh, with Wrexham, the uh, the soccer club he owns. That uh, you know, six months ago, most of us would never even know who Wrexham FC is, and now because of uh, you know the Disney Plus documentary, the fact that he owns the team and his 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 social media, it's kind of like, oh yeah, Wrexham, that's the team Ryan Reynolds owns. Well, I think the feeling is down the road some some random person in in the united states be oh the ottawa senators oh yeah 
Yeah, 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 that's the team Ryan Reynolds owns. Exactly, and that's, definitely yeah, heard that's of them. What you're hoping for little uh, reverse retro jerseys with the Deadpool symbol. I- I'm here for it, man. I really am. Uh, all right, listen, Ian, man, you've said it all. Thanks uh, so much for <laughs> offering your time here this evening. Uh, I know you're on a tight schedule, but uh, maybe one more before we let you go. The Sens are on the up and up, so why don't you give me a little glimpse into uh, what Ian Mendez thinks is in store once the calendar flips to January 23. Well, uh, new ownership is number one. Like, you know, that that will be the the story of 2023. Um, when does the owner take over? Uh, and then I think from there, it becomes really interesting. What Like, once you have new ownership, does that mean new front office? Does that mean new hockey operations? Does that mean new coaching staff? Like, we're on the doorstep here of some, potentially some significant changes. So, as, as you know, usually I would tell you the thing I, I would be most interested in is the on-ice product. This is one of those rare occasions, I'll tell you, that when the calendar flips to 23, I'm more interested in the off-ice product, which will eventually bleed into the on-ice stuff. But uh, look, if they can hang around and they got to get closer than seven points, they got to they got to get to like maybe four points by the time we get to the All-Star break. If they're you know, four points out of a playoff spot at the All-Star break, I think a lot of people would be pretty happy around here. Mm-hmm. I, I think... They'll have met the expectations. Um, I think DJ Smith's done a really nice job lately of at least turning down the temperature from, you know, scorching hot to maybe warm or tepid on his feet. But yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of look at that and, and kind of see where we're, where they're at at the, at the all-star break. But like I said, I think the ownership stuff is, is, uh, is the biggest story here. Awesome. Well, it's going to be really fun to follow that, Ian. And uh, once again, we thank you for uh, offering your time tonight. Our uh, listeners can uh, catch you at Ian underscore Mendez on Twitter. He had an inside guy. He was in on the ground floor. <laughs> there you uh, go. Thanks uh, so much for joining us, Ian. And uh, maybe we'll catch uh, catch you down the road again sometime here. You know what, guys? I would love to. It would be my pleasure. And uh, thanks for uh, for uh, for having me on. Thanks a lot, Ian. Okay, right on. Well, that's Ian Mendez. Definitely awesome. having him back because I have a million questions. <laughs> I know, right? We didn't... And you know what? It's he was so like um, like enthusiastic. You just tell us enthusiasm for his job and the senators and the sport, the city. Uh, he's got a lot to say, and like we didn't even get into the you know the oh the two thousand cents. Um, I wanted to talk to him about Brian Murray, like um, of course though he he gave us a lot more than I even would have thought, just even with some of the introductory topics there. Well, yeah, it's funny because he texted me. I I just I had my phone on do not disturb because I don't need you know my alarm clock going or something. Um, so I just noticed now uh, I saw him text me about like two minutes ago or so like even just a minute ago like right as we were ending there and he said oh i probably should get going because he, he had told me that he only yeah. had until six and it's 601 here right mm-hmm. now so we were able to get him off and running but the the funny thing was let's go was the guy has so much information uh he's so knowledgeable he is probably as much of an insider as you could possibly get for a team, mm-hmm. whether it be this team or that team. He's as much of an insider as you could possibly get. And therefore, he's got so much to say. So, like, how do you ask him, you know, a dozen different questions? We've got so many questions we want to talk to Ian Mendez about, but we can only get through a few of them. And, you know, a part of it is because he's he's got a big, long-winded answer, and yeah. it's full of information yeah. it's amazing it's a it's a tough act to to balance yeah and if you're a subscriber to the athletic that's where you can catch his pieces awesome in-depth work you know he's always got his finger on the pulse of the team but but yeah like some of those um i guess he was 
I, I looked up like his old writing profile in Sportsnet, and I think he stopped writing for them and covering them on TV for Sportsnet. I can't remember. It might have been like eight or nine years ago before he got more into the radio scene. And uh, it was right around the end, like the tail end of the Alfredson and all that. Um, you know, and he kind of referenced that date and time where he said, you know, from 2007 to 2012, they was selling out and they were amazing and all this. And uh, um, obviously one of the more interesting or the most interesting, I guess, period uh, for the team, aside from all the chaos that we've seen the last couple of years. Um, if you are going to check out some of his work, the one thing I can recommend, um, and you might have heard us talk about this on the show previously, but he wrote an excellent article um, just after the passing of Eugene Melnick, where he spoke to um, not just the chaotic, eccentric owner, but also the charitable, generous human being who whom he was once friends with. Um, it gives you a really... I'd say a fair perspective and picture of kind of what this guy's tenure was. And, you know, if, if I got a suggestion for the guy, this, that could probably be a book, honestly. Oh. Like you could write a book on, on his tenure, whatever it was, 20-plus years as owner of the Ottawa Senators. Just oh, I would buy it the, in a heartbeat. You got the, the highest highs to being on the doorstep of a Stanley Cup to the lowest lows of, of, you know, the last several years. You know, I'll tell you the one question that I didn't get to ask him, which makes me upset because it just would have been a fun question to ask him. I wanted to ask him if he had any inside information on Jack Maxwell. Oh God. Because, okay. He tells me, you know, me, you know, he was one of the, <laughs> you said 95% of his Twitter interactions are positive. Right. 5% was Jack Maxwell carving him for a chirp and Melnick. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You're probably you're probably right, man. Like, that's a that's a question you ask him in a text. Yeah, I was guess. this was this Eugene Melnick? Yes or no? Because <laughs> if anybody might know, it would be it Ian. Could be him. It would be Ian. Absolutely. Um, I thought it was really interesting that he basically, I mean, not like on the record. I'm confirming this, but he sounded to me like he confirmed the the fact that Ryan Reynolds is going to be involved. It it's sounds not, like it's... Yeah, like it's not a thing where like, oh, he flirted with the idea and it's kind of funny and cute and it's never going to happen. It's actually seemingly a lot more than that. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it is going to happen. And no, for the love of God, he's not going to be deciding who to sign and who to send down to, you know, to Belleville or something yeah. like that. Like, he's actually going to just do what Ian was talking about, be a good face for the franchise. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm almost jealous, to be completely honest with <laughs> you, because it, it's cool. Like, it makes me want to be like, man, this is fucking awesome. I'm going to get a Deadpool Sense jersey. But, like, I, I, I'm not allowed to do it, apparently, <laughs> because of the massive... Uh, the massive the blowback would be too the, bad. the rivalry. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have sixty-eight goddamn NHL jerseys on my shelf right now, and none of them are sends because it's not allowed. You know, no. like it's a weird thing. I'd like to blow past it, and I think <laughs> I, I think a guy like Ryan Reynolds would help do do yeah. that though. And he he presented the business case, which makes the most sense, and said with the amount of interest that he's expressed, um, in one way or another, it's it seems stupid not to involve the guy because. No stuffy old rich guy who's going to buy the team or, or, you know, group of rich guys who are going to buy this team are going to be able to bring... He can be a genius marketer, but you're not going to be able to bring what that guy can bring. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. And, he, and he's one of those guys who's who's absolutely everywhere. Um, obviously, citing the example of Rexham FC, 
Never would have known that club name. I don't follow a ton of soccer. No. But I know it is because him and Rob McElhaney from Sunny own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so it's it, it's fascinating it that he, he's kind of seen, you know, Ryan Reynolds probably seen what he's been able to achieve with, uh, with that team using his brand and his platforms and thinking, why can't I do this again? And if you look at, you know, the overall value, monetary value of the Ottawa Senators, it's a lot lower than probably what it could be considering the state of the team. Yeah, uh, and the only reason that I bought that bottle of aviation gin was because it's the Ryan Reynolds gin, and I wanted to give it a shot in, in a Caesar. So I'm going to make one right after this podcast. Uh, speaking of soccer, World Whoa. Cup. Did you watch that game? I watched the last. So I tuned in right as France tied it up. So like the 80th minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was Which the was the minute. best I, time to tune in. <laughs> I just missed the goal. I remember thinking like, I'm going to turn this on. And that on. was an incredible goal. I'm going to turn this on. And I had just missed the goal. And I was just catching like the tail end of the of the replay. And, and play was on again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had just tied it. And so that was like, I was watching it on my phone because I was moving around the house. But I kept it, like I kept my eyes glued. And by the 85th or 86th minute, I was sitting down watching it exclusively. Kirsty, don't bother me. Yeah. This is amazing. You know, and Argentina scores to go up again and Mbappe scores again, again. to tie it up. Like it was just it was an unbelievable game of soccer slash football, depending on where you call home. But I, I, I know you're a soccer guy, so I I did want to ask you, oh, but man. I thought it was fantastic. I and I haven't watched a ton of soccer in my life, I watched a ton of this World Cup, and pretty much how it goes for me every four years, I'll watch a shit ton of World Cup because just because it's the and that game especially is the creme de la creme. We're talking the third and fourth ranked clubs, I believe. Um, you the know, reigning Ar- champion, Ar- the reigning champion, you know, up against what looks like Destiny's team in Argentina with Messi, you know, making his last. The appearance team that should have probably Cup. already won. You would think so, recently. yeah. Like they they would be. Uh, you know, them not winning any year probably during Messi's time would have been considered a disappointment. Yeah, of course. Having one of the, the, you know, for the majority of that time, the top player in the world. In the it's world. interesting because Mbappe is considered the best player in the world right now. And Messi still has his role, but you might you might notice even the ball doesn't even go to him until they're in, the eight, in around the 18. Right. But just absolute magic from Mbappe on that tying goal. I mean, that game looked over all the way throughout because Argentina hammered them in the first half and they were France was dead in the waters the 79th minute. They didn't even have a shot attempt in the yeah, first half. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was awful, right? And then you just thought, like, this is it. Like, they're having it. So by the time they got to extra time and Messi had scored what looked like was going to be the winner, the winner, I thought, like, you know, okay, I actually want Argentina to win now because I feel like they deserved it. Yes. You know, France kind of just fucked around and then Mbappe just went beast mode and got the two quick ones. So it was nice to see them win. PKs is a shitty way to end a game, I think, and it's just it's just the way it is. It's it's soccer. It's, it's what happens. But uh, How about the cheeky uh, PK by Messi, the, the soft one there. Yeah, oh, I know. Oh That's a God. that is like a elite elite shit because you have to have huge balls to do it because if you fuck it up, you look terrible. Like oh if the goalie goodness. guesses right, or you look if so bad. A lot of people do it down the middle. They'll do that soft one right down the middle, 
And if the goalie doesn't dive, then you you look real dumb. But that one was sexy. It was it was sexier. The deception on it's all in the the run up, <sighs> right? And, and the, the way he just he just guided it in, man. Yeah. It was it was really something else. Um, my highlight of the game, and I know I only watched you know the last little bit, but extra time and extra extra time is actually yeah. quite a while, man. Like I it remember is. thinking, hey, this game's almost over, and then like forty five minutes later, I'm still watching the game. I couldn't believe it, but. That save by the Argentinian goaltender with the shin. I thought it was over oh right there. Oh my god, was that Mbappe or was, that was I like, don't think so. No, eh? it was another guy. Was but it was right at the end of the game. Dude, like, he shot it he from like six yards. He box. shot it from like five feet away yeah. from the goalie. It was unbelievable. It was over. I jumped out of my chair and I I yelled to Kirsi. I said, "Babe, it's over!" And he he did like a weird. Like like a splits kind of move, just yeah. made himself real big, like he was trying to scare a bear in the woods or something. And, and it that's worked. what you do when it when you have a when, uh, situation like that where you have no time to actually dive or anything. No, you just got to get big. It was right? so sick, bro. Like Ooh, off like the shin, save. ankle bone, or something, and like straight up in the air. Like, and that guy did not like. He fucking kicked oh, it, yeah. bro. He did. He that was a it. strike. I could not believe that that didn't go in like that it was wild score like that that guy that will haunt him the rest of his life oh 100 not, not to mention the the french guy as well who missed the net on the pk right because i was actually looking up the stats so 75 percent out of a sampling of a hundred thousand pro soccer penalty kicks go in oh and wow, okay. it's something like less than five percent is like post um missing the net or a save or a save like it's very very um very low so Missing the net is the only time because when it goes in, the goal you're not like, oh, the goalie, come on, you should have. Like, yeah, I it's know. It's never that. But if you're the shooter and you miss the net or you botch your kick, then that's it's why. over for you. It's over. That's that, when guys yeah. in South America get like assassinated, come yeah, off the planes yeah, yeah. and shit. Like, Just wild. It, uh, how about how about burying a hat trick in, in soccer final. in the World Cup final and losing? So somebody had a good tweet I read. That said, this is like Matthews scoring four in his first game and losing. <laughs> yeah, except it wasn't. It's the, his, yeah, but it's, it's the, the biggest tournament, the pinnacle yeah. of sports, you could argue, the most popular sport in the world. I don't know if you saw it. There's videos going around today. Uh, drone footage cruising. Oh my god, Buenos I wanted Aires. to ask you about that. There's got to be what five, ten million people out in the streets partying right now, bro. It's that drone footage is fucking insane. Yeah. Like I've it's never insane. Seen like that, it could be CGI, and I would believe you. Yeah. Like if you came in here and said, "Yeah, Coley, I wish it was real, but it's actually fake. It's been debunked." And I think I we have a hard you. time grasping what soccer is in a lot of those countries. Um, and and I guess from our standpoint, like, what do you know about Argent- Argentina or Uruguay? No, that exactly. They, that they're good at soccer and they like soccer. I couldn't tell you anything else. Like, have you other than Che was born in Argentina? <laughs> have you been? Um, like overseas, England, or uh, like I have not been to Europe, but I work with quite a lot of gentlemen and ladies from Europe. Yeah, so and they have they can England account for it, and some Germans, and that was a. If they lost, don't fucking talk to me. Yeah, okay. Don't even ask me about the game. Well, I'll tell you right now, man. Like, I mean, I'm I'm not claiming to have a huge grasp on it, but having been over to Leicester City, um, at the time they were the league under the Premier League. And that year that I was there to watch them was 2012. And then they were um, promoted to the EPL. Yeah. All, off the strength of that season, which was great because the game I went and watched them play, they won 6-1. to one. Oh, shit. 
That's a barn burner. <laughs> okay. that, that final two, three, three, okay. that's a barn burner. I know, right? So the, the Leicester City, whatever they are, the Cats or something, They <laughs> I can't remember what it is, to be honest. I got a jersey. Uh, Bale was playing for them then. Gareth Bale. Okay, yeah. He was playing on that team when I was there. I got his jersey. It was wow. very cool. He scored like three goals that game. Yeah. It was very fun. When the other team scored the one goal, let's go, it was 6 nothing, with like extra time. And they scored, and they have, I think the stadium was like a 70,000 or 80,000 stadium. Wow. Huge. And they had an entire corner of the stadium. Like section. Was all the away yeah, the away and they supporters. went ballistic. And they went ballistic, Started bro. singing their songs. B- ballistic. And- they were trying to, like, get at the other fans. And it wasn't just, like, this one section in a hockey rink and then the neighboring sections well, had fenced, fans. Fenced off. They right? had they had two sections that were empty. So that, oh, like buffers. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. And the home fans were, like, you could see them. You could see them like going through the rows, like going up over seats and shit to run. And the security was Jesus. massive. There must have been hundreds of security guards surround. I thought it was the coolest thing wow. in my life, Just bro. Just riot control. Yeah. And, sporting and at, at that moment in time in my life, I, I felt very lowly of soccer. I, I didn't care. I, I couldn't give it the time of day at all. I thought it was cool. I would have more fun watching like you play in the men's league here in Pembroke. Right. And why would I like that, Lesko? Because you're a bunch of Canadian hockey players playing <laughs> soccer. So that would be really fun. But when I would turn on the professional soccer, I hate to say it, but it was just dive here and yep. I'm hurt there and I can't deal with it. That's the worst thing but for But being there was different, watching. bro. Being there was different. And what I yeah. learned is that it is truly, truly ingrained in their being. Like, we are rabid fans. We have nothing. It's religion over In there. comparison. Like, yeah. it's, it's, you got to figure, like, the people in Argentina are going to be partying for a week. Like, they're probably, everything's shut down. Like, oh, for sure. You know, that's, very that cool. is absolutely epic. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's coming here in four years. It's a multi-city hosting situation where there's games in Mexico, there's games in the U.S., there's games across Canada. Um, so I'm hoping to get to some game, any game. I don't even care wow. whose game it is. I just want to go. Cause I Three was, countries? I, I was think? blown away. Yeah, so it's like a North America host Hosting. the World Cup type deal, right? And So okay. I don't have to build all these unnecessary fucking giant stadiums. Ah. They're, they're going to play in New York and in Toronto and in Montreal and in Vancouver and San Francisco, Los Angeles, cool. so on and so forth, Dallas, like – I know so, you don't know the exact number, but what's a what's an estimate on the total number of games played at oh, the World Cup, including the round robin and everything? Are we talking dozens upon well, at the dozens? Beginning, there's like six a day, pretty much, and it's like a month long. Oh wow! Know. Okay, it's, it's a yeah. lot. Okay, it's, it's a lot of soccer. So we're like, into like the twenties of games, like, like this was 40, going on 60, for a while. 60 games. Like there's lots of games because the group stage, everyone's playing everybody, so they play three games at yeah, least, yeah. and then you got the yeah, it's it's a long tournament. And it's the pinnacle sporting event. There's nothing like it. No, there is like, nothing like it. Like, look at the it. stands. You watch, tune into any game, and there's tens of thousands of fans from their home countries. Like, they mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, to fly from Buenos Aires to Qatar is a nightmare. Nothing direct, of course, right? You got to fly here and there, you know, North America to you Europe. You got to fly over it to come yeah, back to it. It's, it's, so to it's, see that many of them there, and like I was actually surprised to see the Argentina fans outnumbering the French fans because France just being so much closer geographically. Okay. So just to see like the travel and you know being in the city at the time as well, like the buzz when meeting people from all over the world, it just seems like 
an incredible experience to be at. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm, de- I'm definitely not comparing my game at Leicester City to the mm-hmm. goddamn World Cup, but I will tell you, it it could have been the World Cup. Yeah, and I, I would have said okay. And all the other major <laughs> sports don't have anything like that. No, they, they no basketball game or football game or hockey game or baseball game can put up the numbers that. Any World Cup match will put Oh, up. no. We all know that. We've known that since the dawn of time. I, I mean, think even just some of the uh, some of the like bigger games are pulling in like millions of viewers just in Canada. Yeah. And that's a lot of viewers in Canada. If you're getting 4 million views, 5 million yeah, v- viewers for a yeah. game, that's huge. Like, that's, you know, that's Leafs in the playoffs. You know, that's fucking big Saturday night matchup, something like that. So you're getting that out of a tournament and games that Canada's not even involved in. Um, okay. Yeah. World cup was great, man. Yeah. Uh, PKs. Unfortunate. That's the way she goes. I, I feel like it would be interesting because <clears throat> someone on Twitter that I follow, um, Dan Rappaport is his name. He, he's a golfer. He, he had tweeted that it should be golden goal. And that's kind of what everyone are, argues about. And mm-hmm. I, while I think that's a, a neat idea, my response to the tweet was, great idea, Dan. Let's have a nil-nil game going into the 300th minute. Mm-hmm. Because there are just teams out there, and I think Morocco was a good example. I, again, I don't tend they're to know. Playing, they're playing four, four PKs. Yeah, yeah. It's a strategy yeah. it is. for you. Because if you're an inferior team and you know it, you're playing lockdown yeah. D, and you're hoping to get your lucky break or beat them in PKs. So what if there was some sort of amendment to how they're going to decide the World Cup where if the score is less than 5.5, if the total score is under 5.5, we're going to PKs. Hmm. If the total score is over 5.5, we play on, Because it felt like in play that on. game, they only needed 10 more minutes before another that's, one scored. That, that's what I'm getting they, at. They like, were so wide open and desperate towards the end. Yeah. But I think that's also what pushes them, right? It was interesting... And my wife pointed this out to me, and it made a lot of sense. Argentina is sitting there diving and milking it, and like, okay, you want to rest your guys? You've been playing a long time, but they're sitting there on the field for so long, and, and the you know commentators like, oh well, they, you know, he's uh, trying to milk the time or whatever. And I was like, why do you want that? Because if you score, you want that game to be over. Yes, exactly. Right? Like you should be as a. Uh, as an essential urgency is the other team the whole time. Yeah, I right? agree. Like you should be playing. But I think that would be like I, I feel like it's um, my thought is a is is a pipe dream because it's just it's it seems too like almost ticky tacky like oh we're over five and a half so we have to go to yeah yeah. But well, soccer is just that game that's just it's never changed. It yeah. has been the same. Well, didn't they try Golden Goal? I was reading some tweets, and people said they did try Golden Goal, but maybe not at the actual World Cup. I think they might have tried it elsewhere, and it didn't work there because of the reason that I just said. They'll play forever. They'll play forever. And and even though that I'm thinking, hey, if there's a higher-scoring game, maybe that means that the OT goal would would happen more quickly. And I think that's a fair thought, Mm -hmm. but as soon as we get to the Golden Goal – Everyone can relax. You'd now. have to change so much too because you'd have to change point systems because right. the way ties are rewarded, like you can you can advance out of the group stage just by having a couple of draws or even with three. Right. You know, so they're pretty valuable in the way they're set up. So, you know, managing to 
managing to tie a team that's way better than you is an achievement. You're rewarded for it right. in, in the way it's and set up. Forgive my stupid question. I'm going to ask it anyways. But like in the non-elimination games, there are no PKs. No, no. They just do extra. They just tie. But they do they do extra time No, just, added, just added time. Injury There's time. There's no uh, – it's just injury time. And you notice there can be a lot of that because dudes are sitting on the ground yeah, screaming and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I was saying, though, if you want to heal a soccer player – you know they don't make the call and you pass them the ball and he'll be up nice yeah. and quick. Yeah, you're right. Sure, I saw the ref point. actually do that. He carded one guy for diving in the box, which was good because you don't see that often enough. Right. And there was another point too where someone was trying to draw a draw one in the box and he he was motioning, get up, get up, like you know, get off your ass. We're playing on here yeah, and and good. and this is like I guess the worst thing is 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 when you see a guy quit on a play. Because he wants to draw one. Yeah. Right? Like, if, and on a situation where, like, you could have still had an opportunity there. Yeah. Right? Like, that is when it's like, it's really egregious because it's affecting, like, not just the integrity of the game, but the actual action. Like, I want to see a guy run up and score more every time more than I want to see him score on a PK. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, I think was, I think you shared that tweet, didn't you? About Messi? Maybe it was someone else, like, going through the attack, like, shoulder down. He could have drawn call yes. after call, but he kept going yeah. and was able to. And he's I, he a didn't score it. Guy too. He didn't score it, but he set it up. Yeah, he set up the the the, the goal. And, and they it said was, if he dies at just over half, right when he had the ball there, and I think he got bumped, he could have easily just went down a heap. But then that resets their defense. And if you notice Argentina, the way they played offense, it was quick strikes, like on the ground passes to the feet. And and uh, cycling the ball to the top of the 18, and they did it so quickly. It wasn't a lot of perimeter play. It's like when they came down, they were going. They were going for the net. They weren't, you know, dicking around on the outside oh, no, looking it, for the perfect run. It was very they exciting. They were making it happen. It honestly was very exciting. I texted a buddy of mine. Um, well, actually, I think it was a group chat. I messaged in the group chat. I said, boys, this World Cup final is wild. And that was probably like, before the 90th minute. And there yeah. was there was more wild stuff oh, yeah. yet, yet to happen. Like you know? I was sweating, like, edge of my seat. And, I, and um, you know, ultimately, I didn't care who won. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, this is so fucking intense. But like, my, my I, I one, had no idea. My one buddy sent a message back. And he goes, I cannot believe how much I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I said, bro, me too. And I knew exactly what he meant. Like, if I would have never seen it and woke up the next day and heard all about Argentina winning and how the game was you know, coined already yeah. as the greatest World Cup final of all time, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would have been okay with it because of how I don't really care. And I would have looked at the replays and been like, oh, that was That's pretty a cool. Game, yeah. What a wild game. But having actually paid attention, even yeah. though I didn't watch the entire game, it was it was next level, dude. I, I was really excited to get your, your take on it because I know you're a big soccer guy and I, I thought it was – Super exciting. The most exciting I've ever been watching soccer without actually having been been there. For sure. Like, it was three hours on the couch well spent and gave us a lot more excitement than any of those Canada games did. So, mm -hmm. it was... Uh, well, the first half of the first game was pretty solid, man. I mean, they, were, was. they were good. It was. They it, were good. They could have scored easy. Well, they, they, they well, missed they, the PK. They missed the PK. Davies, like, I the know, save right? on the PK there. And the, even in the rebound, it looked like there could have been an opportunity there. That's what kind of bugged me a little bit. It was like... Well, Canada showed they belong. They belonged. And I was like, well, yeah, they belong. They qualified. They're here. This isn't when we're hosting, we're just in it. Yeah. Right? Like, the, what I saw was, yes, okay, great. You know, they're there and they, they 
proved something, but they got completely dusted and embarrassed by Croatia. Mm-hmm. And in both of those games, um, the, the game against Belgium, they missed that PK and then they give one up, right? So that's, to me, like a result lost. Mm-hmm. They could have tied that game at least, right? Take them over to the last game against Morocco. Same thing, like just have the early lead and then screw up, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they just... They couldn't hang on. They defended poorly. Um, just another missed opportunity. And, you know, they pushed him for the tie late. Had one go off the bar, bar down, right down on the line. Too. Yeah. Like, that's a stinger. But, you know, they could have easily tied two games. So to get nothing, no points at all, I think, sh- like, sucks more. It hurts. And probably yeah. hurts them more than than the rest of the fans were. We're kind of just like, it seems that. They're getting the free pass, so to speak. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> well, we made it. That was fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Kind of like the Leafs' first playoff year, uh, the there rookie year. Or, the, or like we just talked about with Ian Mendez just earlier, the Sens uh, getting their free pass just because just because things are exciting. And, yeah. and, and here we go. Uh, so, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, we never really got a shot at uh, giving Ovi his due, uh, Lesko. And uh, I'd like to I'd like to throw back to my terrible intro. Um, I'm a hundred percent confident that the main reason I fucked up our intro is because we didn't have our intro playing like real time. Like right. we nor- we normally have the the music and the the highlights and the yeah. pucks in deep and and then the music fades away into the distance. It's just it it gets you involved. And because we had Ian on the phone right off the top, I couldn't play the intro. So it was basically just like a cold cock fucking, hey, everyone, welcome back. Episode 80-something. Like, what am I doing, bro? Unreal, man. Oh, man. Okay, whatever, Well, at least you stopped yourself because, like, it's always funnier when later on when I'm like, well, I was in – what episode is it? Right. And then I, I call you out on it later. And further further to that point, Lesko, once I do slide the audio in from the intro, it, it, it helps that little uh, fuck up, you know, or I'm about to say episode 89 because I was just editing. You should do an Episode edit. 89. You should do like a really bad edit sometime. Like if you fuck that up, you should be like, oh, well, hey, everyone, welcome back to episode oh. 103. Yeah, but I think <laughs> like you clearly overlaid it. So I told you in episode 100 where we omitted Matthew Barnaby's, um, you know, audio clip. Yeah. We, I, I say we, it's my fault. Yeah. I omitted Matthew Barnaby's clip. When I, when I put it in later on in the episode, I did a purposely bad edit that I thought was hilarious. <laughs> like, you know, when you laugh at your own joke and you're embarrassed for your own self, yeah. I shouldn't be laughing this hard at my own joke, but here I am. And then you I show was, it to someone, they don't laugh. I was laughing so hard. I showed it to <laughs> Kirsty, and she was like, and? I don't get it. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Because I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, here's the clip from Matthew Barnaby, and I'm going to play it for you right now. And, oh no! And, and I started the Barnaby clip. No, but I did it on purpose, though. Like I, I, I sat here for forty minutes, it seems, and I, I hemmed and I hawed over this tiny, minuscule thing that no one even fucking probably noticed. But I thought it was hilarious. Um, the intro, yeah, whatever, my bad. But so Ovi can score to eight hundred. Yeah, let's goals. talk about Ovi, man. And I, he's almost gonna pass Gordy Howe. Right? Well, he's around the doorstep. Yeah, of course, he needs one. 
he could have done it against the Leafs. The fact that, I thought he was going to do it against the Leafs dude, for sure. The fact that he did not yeah. do it against the Leafs is a step in the right direction to all that nonsense where Jimmy Vc scores twice oh, against God, us yeah. and wins the game. You know, like all well, our we still gave former, up a hat trick to a defenseman. Former players burn us. Yeah, uh, no like if you're going to get Kuznetsov and Ovechkin out of the a guy the no score, one knows. Should, I feel like you should beat Washington. A guy nobody knows gets the hattie. And it seems they're picking it up a little bit. And I don't know if it's just the chase. For 801 has got them all horny and the boys are firing on all cylinders, but it seemed for a while, and it, especially in that game, it was against the Blackhawks, right, where he gets the third goal yep. hat trick. Yep. It looks like everyone's gunning for it. You know, all, everyone's on board. They're they're not having the greatest start to the year. I think they're like maybe game or two over 500 right now, and it's, it seems like the main goal of everything is get OV goals. He's playing with. Uh, you know, the net empty with a couple minutes left. He's playing, obviously, full power plays as per usual. And uh, I think without Nick Backstrom, it's it's more, even more impressive to see him scoring at, sure. and, uh, once again, his career-long absurd pace. Absurd, absolutely. That is the only fitting uh, adjective to, to describe the, the goal-scoring prowess of Alexander Ovechkin. Um, my, my favorite part about it, and this might be strange because why wouldn't I enjoy the goal or whatever? But my favorite part about it was the reaction and the acknowledgement by the Blackhawks fans at the Madhouse on Given Madison. Him the standing O. Standing O, chanting his name, throwing the hats, a bunch of Blackhawks hats on the ice. Like, talk <laughs> about being a respectful. Yep opponent's fan base. Was, I feel like he got a hate, a lot of hate early on, probably mostly just for being Russian. Sure. I think that's know? fair. And yeah, coming in at the fair. same time as Sid too, I think yeah. that inevitable comparison, you get everyone's choosing a side, but I think he, he earned his respect. One, because I think halfway through his career, you could already tell this guy's got to be one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. And now he's got the stats to prove it. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, uh, you were asking earlier about the resurgence of the Capitals and is it from 800, 801, the chase, whatever it is. Uh, I've got an answer for you. It's Charlie Lindgren. Yes. It's Charlie Lindgren because if you omit the Chicago game where Ovechkin hit the milestone, uh, he had an 897 save percentage that night, which is obviously subpar. If you omit that, and they won that game, so if you omit that from the stat sheet, very quickly, here are the remaining six games on that on the on the six uh, six and one excuse me six and one run that they're on right now nine forty four nine twenty three nine thirty five nine sixty two wow. nine sixty seven nine thirty three that's that's the save percentage that wins you hockey games we talk about all these teams that struggle or or teams that surprise people. It's always the goaltending. And it's kind of crazy to me, Lesko, because you can have the best two players on the planet Earth and then have Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner yeah. rocking an 891 yeah. combined or whatever it is. I'm, I'm making that number up, but I'm just saying, you know, when you get the subpar goaltending, I don't care what you have. Yeah. You are not going to win those hockey games. And when you get the 930s, 960, like we're talking heavy shot volume, high save totals. Like that that's was, how you win. That was the biggest change, obviously, with Washington in the offseason was what are they going to get out of uh, all these changes they made, right? Bringing in Kemper, he's hurt. 
Um, Lindgren probably wasn't slated to play as many games. No, of he's course playing. not. He's pretty much their starter right now. Yeah. But letting go of uh, Samsonov, letting go of Vanishak, um, who are both doing excellent in their respective roles right now. Excellent. I, I don't. Uh, you know, Samsonov tops in the league basically, save percentage and uh, goals against goals, and for a while, uh, goals saved above expected as yes. well, which is yeah. what you know appears to be one of the better metrics for giving you an indication of, you know, who is the best in the league, who is, you know, winning their team's games. Yeah, who who's not just on top of their game, but actually winning the games yeah. for them. So it's nice to see someone emerge there for them because they need that. Like, it's, it's clear they do because they've been having a lot of trouble. And without Backstrom, you know, that's been – he's been riding shotgun with Ovi for years. And that's your that's been your number one centerman that whole time. So uh, missing him is a big, big loss. And you don't just like Lars Eller is not going to be that guy. Right. He's just not. Yeah, He's of just course not, not on that level. And it looks like Backstrom, uh, both Backstrom and Tom Wilson are uh, are close to returning uh, for the Caps. So I mean, they're in a position too where if they're going to continue to get back into this thing. Yeah. They're just another team that you got to throw in the mix. Don't count them out. I That's know, but sure. but can you really count them in? You've got so many teams. It's the in, same with the Penguins, the, right? But, you can't count down. But out. the Eastern Conference, let's go, is so severe. Like, it's just a fierce competition between the Atlantic Division and the Metropolitan Division in terms of who's in, who's out. And if you are teams like the Washington Capitals... And even, you know, the Ottawa Senators, uh, Mendez uh, was not really saying that they're going to make or anything, but I agree with him. I think they do have a roster that can at least get back in the conversation. Yeah. And if you're going to be taking points away from teams that are in front of you in the standings, we're seeing Buffalo starting to regress a little bit, doing what they tend to do often. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, start hot. Still still turning a corner, though. Yeah, I agree I with argue that. with yeah. Buffalo. I think, no, I agree. I think Buffalo, I really like that core, young core of players. And it seems they've finally kind of done it right with the drafting and development all these years because it was always just Band-Aids and, and overpaying guys and all that. Overpaying in free agency and seems to set them off track and... I like you got Jack Quinn, you got Cousins, you've got Tage Thompson finally making that O'Reilly trade sting a whole lot less. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, I was kind of talking with somebody recently about that trade, and obviously, you have to say that St. Louis wins the trade because they won the Stanley Cup right. with Ryan O'Reilly as the captain of the team. So, but they, if Tate Thompson's the next <laughs> Mario Lemieux, as they keep saying. No, no, yeah, yeah. But I, no, I agree with that. I think it's a fun conversation that we can continue having, right? Like, yeah. as we know, let's but in go. The immediate, in the immediate, it stings. Like, if you're yeah. a Sabres fan, you're like, you know, he goes off, wins Cup, and he, he was the MVP, right? Yeah, by uh, all accounts, yeah. So. yeah, right. I can't believe I <laughs> omitted that part yeah. as well. Uh, but like, just it's quickly, an automatic win there. Just quickly before we head to wherever we're headed, like, l- let's talk about this playoff picture, okay? So I'm just going to name you a team, and you're going to say yes or no. Oh, no. <laughs> Playoffs or no. Like, uh, today, are you calling them a playoff team or no? And don't right. don't count with your fingers. I'm going to count. I'm going to see how mu- how many you come up with because it's going to be interesting. And I'm going to throw them to you in random order as well, oh, okay? God. So here we go. That Metro division is so tough I right know. Now. So it's let's, crazy. So let me ask you the question then, okay? Uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Nope. New York Rangers. Yes. 
Columbus Blue Jackets. Nope. Carolina Hurricanes. Yes. New Jersey Devils. Yes. Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes. The math probably doesn't work out, though. You're tricking me. You're going to back me into a corner here. Florida Panthers. No. Detroit Red Wings. No. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes. Boston Bruins. Yes. Buffalo Sabres. No. Who did I not ask you? Did I? Oh, Islanders. No. Well, geez, you're doing pretty good, man. You only have seven. Did I ask you about the caps? You didn't ask me about the caps. Okay, are you putting the I'm caps in? I'm going caps then? over Islanders. Okay, so that, that that's, was that's where it there's your eight right? then. So good for yeah. you, bro. So you've got eight, right? Which is which is good. But the teams that you know you're, you're leaving out are Buffalo is included in that, <clears throat> yep. but they're already on the outside looking in. Yeah. So based on your math. You only have the the minimum three getting in from the Atlantic, which okay. which really coincides with what you you said before we I'm did glad, that little because I thought I was going to screw that up. Well, I, I I expected you to get at least eight and then kind of him and Haw over a ninth. You can't put them all in and then I have to change my mind and go back. Nah, and not even just... that you'd be changing your mind. It's just that's that's the that's the the purpose of the game, right? Is to say, well, look, man, you came up with nine teams. Yeah, who's not making so it? So which one of these nine do you? think is okay well i think it's probably going to be uh, whatever you know uh but in your case you, you got eight so we're looking at three from the atlantic and then five from the metropolitan which which really i don't i don't see how it could go any other way um hockeyreference.com shows the buffalo sabers at 35.8 percent to win they show the islanders and capitals both ahead of that yeah so yeah you got it i think you got to bang on dude jeez wait for me <laughs> for me. See, when I put you on the spot, I put you in positions to succeed. Oh yeah. When you put me on the spot, you put me. You just in don't like my trivia questions. Fail. I actually had one. I didn't write it down the other day. I wish I did. Oh, I would have had something good for you. Oh, next darn. time. Oh, darn. I don't even have any screw ups to call you out on too. Today, at the end of the show, or last not, time. Not that I caught it anyway. What do we do it today? Well. You know, I was saying we were going to call each other out at the end of the shows now, right? But I feel like we should we should almost do it on the on the on the ensuing program because I have mm-hmm. no like how are we supposed to? What are you going to do? Sit over there and take notes and be uh, like, "Ooh, Josh said, <laughs> Josh said that there was nine teams coming into the playoffs." <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, dude. Well, I mean, uh, what are we doing here? Are we a wrap or what? Uh, I think we're a wrap. We're a buck twenty into this thing. We got nice. Well, little... here, here's a good one. Here's here's a good little fun fact. I'll, okay. I'll put out there for uh, the Leaf fans because we didn't do a whole lot of Leaf stuff here today. Not a whole lot of Leafs. Um, so a lot of people talk about the Leafs' bottom six. They made a trade today. They acquired. Uh, they did. Uh, Dryden. Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt. Thank you. Um, only thing you need to know is that he hit some fights, guys. For Dennis uh, Malgan. For Dennis Malgan, who does not hit, nor does he fight guys. Correct. Um. I was looking at some stats the other day. Players, uh, 300 plus minutes, five on five. We appreciate David Camp. Uh, he was number five in the league. Oh, okay. So, for what metric? Sorry, what are we? What are we? What are we talking about here? So, team defense among all forwards, 300 plus minutes at five on five. He's been on the ice for the sixth 
fewest goals against. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Relative to his minutes, as you're saying, they have to play a, a minimum amount of minutes. Yes, to 300, count, plus, to count. 300 okay. plus minutes at okay. five on five. Uh, who would you guess would be number one on this list? Fewest goals against five on five in the NHL. Think defensive specialists. Patrice Who's, Bergeron. Exactly. Number one. No problem. But so Camp is number six. Patrice Bergeron is number one. Who is from number five from the Toronto Maple Leafs? Who is ahead of Camp on that list? Is it is it like a a really important player or kind of just? A, yes, it is an important player. I was just going to say, okay. Leafs. okay, who is it? But I see. I don't want to say that it's Matthews because I do, especially lately, I tend to see goals going in for the other team, and there's Matthews kind of looking right. out, darn. So I'm gonna guess. That it's John Tavares. Okay. Well, and it's, it's probably going to be Mitch Marner. It's William Nealand. Oh, my God. That was <laughs> – fuck. That was my – the first thing that came to mind, I almost spit it out. You know what? It's Willie. And I was just going <laughs> to spit out Willie because I was going to enjoy the segue that even though it's not Willie, I love what he's bringing to the table this year. He looks like he's found another gear. Uh, but then I tried to galaxy brain it, you know? Well, you know how it's just Damn always – everyone's ragging on him for being soft in his own end and defensively and he's blah, blah, so blah. He's been so good. Hey, yeah, he's playing, um, he's playing every night, and he's just – it's like sometimes you see it every five games where he's, like, dominant. He seems to be dominant all the time. All the time. And it's uh, it's very impressive. And There's no more shifts off. He's on pace for, what, 40-plus goals right now, leading the team in goals. Probably wouldn't have bet on that coming into the year. So um, all those big guys have definitely been turning up for the Leafs and helping them uh, helping them kind of cruise, I guess. They've been cruising lately, aside from the, the last two games where they, well, they slept, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate – well, I think Samson, that Washington I game think was – Samsonov was nervous. He was a little rough, but he didn't have an Ovi score. No, I know. He but, did not want to be on that highlight reel yeah. for the rest of his life. Um. Oh, man, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Fuck. What were you saying? What were we saying just before uh, the last two sleepy games? Uh, oh, well, Willie, Willie Nylander. Yes, Nylander. Nylander. Um, I hate to ask you this, but I was thinking this either the day the article was posted on Twitter – or the next day, the article came out after. Is Willie playing himself right out of town? Is he playing himself right out of town because there ain't no fucking way he's taking another discount? It's very difficult question because I hate the idea that it's true. Yeah, but I can't. When's he, I when's can't he up? see it being false. When's he up? He's up with Matthews, bro. So another season. Yeah, next, more, se next season, season is the last. And so are eligible to resign this summer. Yes. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah, that's an interesting one. You got to figure there'll be some some conversations maybe at some point between the two of them. Well, because to what what each other's plans are. But uh you got to think that uh I don't know, man. It's hard to say like it's hard to say that if William Nylander said I want 9 million or 10 million that the lease would would they say no? Just would that be an unequivocal no? Do you think? Well, I think it has to be because we have to, be, to yeah. worry about Everyone our franchise else. center. Correct. Well, Matthews is priority one, and I think Neil Ender has to acknowledge that. So I wonder if that alone hampers uh, some leverage on Neil Ender's side. Yeah, but I mean, didn't he already go through this where he was priority number three and he was treated as such? And in my honest opinion, then and again today. I will say the same thing I said back then, that William lost the deal. 
Dubis won that deal. Mm. I thought very strongly this November 30th. If you look at it today, absolutely. I felt very right? strongly that that was a win a for good- Dubis and a loss for Nylander, and I think that has proven itself to be true. And now there's no way he's going to take less than what he can get elsewhere. A good exercise to There's do no in way. your head is think of another team in the NHL where he's not the best winger on the team. Exactly. There's a few. Okay, fair enough. Right? There's definitely a few. Yeah. So you got to think demand for his services is going to be high. Like he's obviously but, not going to be the best winger on every team, but he is a fantastic top yeah. six option. I guess what I'm – Power play one – the mentality I'm having with this uh, is I I I'm just not I'm yeah, not okay. playing that game. I know I told, I'm really not because I saw the article you're referring to and I'm like nah, I know you're not getting me. I'm I didn't not. read it. No, no, I didn't read yeah. it. But what I'm telling you, it was Russell, getting shit on a bunch but, online. But too. but in all honesty, dude, I'm not even kidding you. The timing was very eerie. Well, he's rolling. I I didn't hear anything on Overdrive or or NHL Radio. I didn't have any like. Uh, push in that direction. It was just randomly. I was going through my Yahoo fantasy pool, and I have Nylander in one of my leagues. I'm in two leagues this year: one with Jay Con and the Serious Boys, friends of the show, uh, and then the other one that I run. I'm the commish, and I have Nylander in Jake's pool. And I was just kind of scrolling and reading the comments under his player tag, and I was like, "Man, Willie is fucking killing it this year, killing it." Yeah. And then I instantly thought of, "Oh man, he's also up." With Matthews, and then my brain got rolling, and then the next day, or the day after, I I wake up and I see this thing, and the boys are talking about it in the group chat. Holy fuck! Can we not just enjoy anything? And I agree with that that you know frame of mind. Just relax and enjoy, it. like kind of like you were alluding to just now. Mm-hmm. Like just don't even think about it. But it's and tough that's... not to think about because it's like I, as much as I want the team to succeed now, I also want the team to con- to, to, to continue succeeding. And like you lose a guy like that, it's going to be tough hole to, to fill. Don't you think that headline is is a choice, like from an editorial standpoint? Like that's that's what actually happens like every day online, where it's especially with the Leafs, it's like somebody sets the discourse, some writer or whomever with a headline such as that, and right. pe- and then so ensues the debate. Oh, is he playing his way out? So on and so forth. No, I don't care because I'm trying to enjoy myself here. And yeah, I guess that, so. That whole thing. And it's all day. That's just, that's the topic. And it's very prevalent, I notice, on off days where there's no game. So it's not like there's there's no kind of buzz or whatever. Yeah. It's like the in-between days where you, where those types of articles are dropped. Yeah. Because that's... It, that's what gets everyone talking. Yeah, right? it's true. It generates the buzz, generates the clicks, and gets the emotions flowing. Uh, but you're right. Time to just enjoy uh, the ride that we've got in front of us. It hasn't been very enjoyable for a really long time, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens there. I mean, even a guy like Ian, who's probably been, uh, you know, built, I guess, to to go against the the Leafs, given his position. Uh, with the Sens, not to say that he hates the Leafs or anything like that, but there's a natural rivalry there. Even a guy like Ian is is saying, "Hey, they they probably should be better than they than they have been." So I think that's like, a fair assessment, yeah. and that's pretty much how I think either of us would 
describe it on any time. It's, well, they probably should have done better than they have. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Well, is that that's, it? It's not bias. That's not bias. It's not. It's not. It's uh, not rocket appliances, as Ricky would say. Uh, so is that it for the show? Then? Yes, we'll sir. Let's go. All right, man. We're wrapping it up. Episode 103 is in the books. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, as always. And, yeah, we're going to have to get Ian back in here. For sure. So many more questions. So many more questions. You know, and it's one of those things, too, where you're like, hey, you can't just, like, occupy the guy's entire night. But then when, no. you're, when you're having the conversation that you're having, you're like, man, we could talk to this guy for another 40 minutes. Definitely, for sure. Easy. So expect him. Yeah, expect him back. Friend of the show, Ian Mendez, at Ian underscore Mendez. That's where you'll find him. OG Twitter handle. At Coleman42. That's where you'll find me. I want to say like mid-game mid join. I, I think I joined in 2011. So I'm close. At Let's Go Adam across the bar from me. That's where you'll find him on Twitter. Is that, that's it. Twitter. Elon Musk. He's blowing it up. He's ruining it up for everybody. He's blowing it up. Uh. So find us on Twitter while Twitter still exists. Still exists. For now. For now. We'll catch We're you guys. On Facebook. Yeah, you, you can also Follow catch us on Facebook if you're, you know, 35 or older, because apparently nobody <laughs> under the age of <laughs> 35 has Facebook anymore. Yeah. God damn it. I feel old every day. All right, folks. Episode 103. Thanks again for tuning in. At PuckPod as well. Shoot us an email. What's the email again? Oh. RealPuckPod at gmail.com. That's the one, folks. Shoot us a line. Tell us what you think. Until next time. Go Leafs, go.